I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is Conversations with Olivia Jade, an iHeartRadio podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Conversations with your host, a.k.a. me, a.k.a. Olivia Jade. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, today I have my favorite person in the planet. Um, Did I say in the planet? I meant to say on the planet. My favorite person on the planet, my best friend, my big sister. If you guys have been following me for a while, you know Bella from my YouTube channel. And we used to post a lot of stuff on there when we were in our like early teenage years to mid teenage years. And now we're both in our early 20s. And I don't think you guys have really seen or heard from my sister in a few years. So with all of that being said, please welcome my big sister, Bella. Say what's up, B. What's up, B? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. Bella is a year older than me. We're 12 months, 12 days apart to the T. And I think before we jump into this conversation, we kind of talked about certain things we want to touch on and uh, things we want to be open with you guys about and just some things that I think you guys can relate to. And also I did a little Instagram poll and asked you guys to ask us some questions. So we're going to do some of those as well. But I first want to introduce Bella. And so you guys get to know her a little bit and what she's been up to the last few years. You started writing a script with her really great friend, Jamie, who went to NYU for theater, right? Mm -hmm. And I think from kind of what like we've talked about, 
Bella basically started journaling, I would say like two and a half years ago, right when we really went through our family stuff. I think that was kind of her outlet to like express her emotions basically. And so I think it started with you journaling and kind of getting back into writing, especially because we hadn't been in school for quite some time. So it's not like we had to do papers anymore. So I think you kind of got back into writing by like starting with your emotions. And then I think you thought, you know, even though everything that had happened and we can touch on this in a little bit too, but you kind of felt like this was a new passion or maybe an old passion that was like re-sparked from an emotional like journaling standpoint. And then you guys got into script writing, right? Sort of? Kind of. Yeah, pretty much. But it really was Jamie coming back to LA and being like, I want to just try and write something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm down to write it with you. And since we were in, she's been my best friend since I was five. And since we were in high school, we always talked about how fun it would be to create a show kind of based on growing up in LA but more accurate than 90210 was mm-hmm. because 90210 is a very. Well, it's like a CW show. That's I know, very but it's, scripted, but it's no, this show is scripted too, but it's just not the teenagers don't talk like teenagers do. And they don't, because it's written by grown men. So they don't right. have the same experiences to girls growing up in LA and actually understanding the ins and outs of LA. So we just decided to start writing that. And it kind of, it was almost a joke at first and then it kind of took off and we both enjoyed it so much. And then we have a friend who's a writer and he helped us because we, neither of us have taken screenwriting classes or anything. And he kind of helped us formulate the script and learn the, he gave us like a mini masterclass on Mm -hmm. writing. So he helped us like create the ideas and make them flow together and actually be able to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And we started just writing about loosely based off of things we've been through. And the idea of the story is to touch upon how, although that problems are relative and Mm -hmm. I, the thing I love about acting and storytelling itself is that you get to play a character and you get to learn about them and their ins and outs. And you can play, there's just a wide range and there's a wide range of people on this earth. So being able to write a story on something that like we've been, we've gone through ourselves was very cool. And it also kind of taught me a lot about myself and everything too, because we were able to access these emotions and create scenes around things that we were feeling at the time and boys. And like, we do a scene from elementary school when we're like 12 and we do all these different things. And it was fun. We got to reminisce on the past. And then we also got to like, it's very cathartic. We got to work through our own and the our favorite thing about story writing and storytelling is you get to create your own ending. So right. it, it happens the way you want it to happen. Like the perfect version in your head, you get to put that on paper. And even though it doesn't happen in real life, there's something fun knowing that that story lives on in a different world. Yeah, like say. a different world completely. Um, okay, well, I think that gives you guys like a general idea of what the script is sort of about. But basically, like I've read it. It's really, really good. I hope it gets picked up and you guys can actually work on this and make this. And this audience will for sure tune in once that happens. But that's down the <laughs> line. But I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a background backstory on what Bella's been up to. So she is in acting school. You said you didn't take screenwriting class, but she's been taking theater in a conservatory for like a year and a half, almost two years. But you also have been acting since you were like 15. Cause I remember we used to do this young acting Academy called Cynthia Bain studio. And I quit after like a week of being there. Cause I was like, they gave you, they gave her a scene from, Oh, now I'm forgetting what it, the Matt Damon and Ben Affleck movie. 
I don't remember. And I just goes, know. How about them apples? Goodwill Hunting. They gave you the scene from oh, Goodwill yeah. Hunting, and it scared you, and you never came back. I was you quit. I was like fourteen or fifteen, maybe sixteen. And, and you were fifteen, and I was sixteen. No, we were fourteen and fifteen because we couldn't drive yet. Yeah, but anyway, I was not down for that scene. It was like a very sexual, romantic scene with the other guy in the class, and I just after that, I was like, this is not for me. I cannot put myself into that type of character, and that was kind of the end of my acting days. But Bella's been really into it for quite some time, and so it's been really cool seeing you like the last few years, like really dive into it and put yourself kind of like fully into that acting mode, following in mom's footsteps. Um, So I kind of want to segue because when I asked on Instagram, a lot of the questions or topics that people asked us about were everything that's happened, you know, in the last few years in our family. And I just want to start by saying, I think the promise I've made to myself is I really want to be open on this podcast. I want to be vulnerable. I think that really helps people, whether we're in completely different situations or you can relate to a certain piece of what we're talking about. Um, I think it's just really important that I am honest, but I don't want my honesty to be mistaken as me ever trying to victimize us or what happened in the last few years, because I think with so much time and so much thought and um, everything that's happened, like we both have a really clear perspective on that. Like we were, our like this situation was like, we can just say that we're in the wrong. And so I don't want that to ever be, no matter what the details are, what people do and don't know, like, I don't want that generic kind of topic to be twisted that I'm sitting here asking you about like mental health and what we went through the last few years and people saying like, are they seriously like complaining about this? Like, you know what I mean? I don't think it would be, I don't know how to phrase this because I don't want to take away other people's thoughts, but if you really think about it in a grand scheme of life type thing, it's not complaining. It's using the experiences we have. You only live one life. You only get a certain path yourself. You can't put yourself in someone else's shoes. So you have to take what you've been through and learn from that. Mm -hmm. And that's what talking about it and working through it Does. does. And we, this is the situation. These are the cards we were dealt. So to just not talk about it seems wrong in a way because it has made us. Well, it's definitely affected us a lot. It's affected us. And it's also taught us different things and opened our eyes to new like perspectives perspectives and things we didn't even think about before. And it's, we're not talking about it to garner pity or be the victims in a situation, but it is real life and what we went through. So it'd be weird to just not talk about it at all. So a lot of fans were messaging and just asking, you know, like what the last few years have looked like and how it's been going through everything that happened in our family. And I also want to say that there's a lot of stuff that I wish, like, especially now that because we haven't done any like interviews together. Like this is our first time, like me and you just talking and like just being open. And um, there's so much I would like to say and clear up and go through every single thing that's ever been written and posted about us and be like, that's not true. Or this came from that. Or, um, just explain like quote unquote, like, uh, I don't know how to put this, but just like at the time, what like we thought was going on or stuff like that, but we literally can't because it is a federal case and <laughs> I don't feel like messing with the government. So I want to kind of focus on where we've been mental health wise and kind of taking care of that and how it's affected us. Because I also think 
besides just the legal side of things, like that's something that I know a lot of young girls and boys and people listening can relate to. Um, whether, you know, like regardless of your situation, I know that everybody, like a lot of people go through mental health. And I think for me, mine was very situational. What about for you? I know, well, I know all of this, but like you've always struggled a little bit with like anxiety. Yeah. I've always had a bit of anxiety. Um, ironically enough, I realized it when I was going to college. I remember the first night before I left to go move into the dorms, I was Mom and dad were out at dinner and it was me, you and your high school boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was trying to fall asleep, like get a good night's sleep. I had move in day the next day. And like I woke up like hyperventilating and my heart was beating really fast. And I ran downstairs to you and Ty and I was like, I'm I'm having a heart attack. I'm having a heart attack. I'm having a heart attack. And Tyler's like, no, you're not. You're not. You're not. And I'm like, I just I looked it up. WebMD said it. I'm having a heart attack. Like I need to go to the hospital right now. And it turned out I was just having like a really bad panic attack. And it's the same exact um, symptoms as not symptoms. I don't know that. Yeah, I get what you're symptoms saying. Symptoms of yeah. a heart attack. <laughs> and that's when I realized it. And I remember when I would even like sleep in the dorms, I would be like falling asleep and then I would wake up hyperventilating and like freaking out for, I was asleep. Like, I don't, I don't know, but I guess like that's when my anxiety like manifested most is like right as I was falling to sleep, I would like come up like gasping for air and kind of, I've always been like a little ball of anxiety, even when I was younger. Like I didn't speak a lot. I was very shy just because mm -hmm. I was so scared. I've grown out of it. I guess kind of with everything that's also happened, I realized like you can't like let anxiety rule your life. But I remember that was, there was a lot of, it was hard to like talk and you were always like super talkative and like mm -hmm. you were like the social outgoing one. And I was like, always just like standing there like yeah. behind, not saying anything. Cause I was scared. Yeah, well, that's so normal. And I know so many people can definitely relate to that. And I feel like, you know, what's funny, I think for me, I had and I mean, I never really had anxiety growing up. Because I even remember, ironically, when I got to college, and I said to one of my really good friends there, <laughs> Olivia, uh, who's still like a sister and best friend to this day, but I was and she has anxiety too, like most people. And so I was talking to her and she was like having anxiety about something. And I was like, what does that feel like? Like, what is that cut to literally six months later, everything erupted and exploded. And I was like, oh, this is what she was talking about six months ago. And it kind of started to like make sense to me. But I feel lucky that I didn't have it like growing up and I got to really have like a clear, I feel like understanding of who I was without letting that like kind of fuzz uh, myself at a younger age. But now I know that it's like almost hard for me to escape it. And that's why in my last episode on the podcast, I had like that life coach possibilitarian is what she called herself, where she just views the world as like anything is possible um, come in because I was like, I'm very stressed and I need somebody that has like actual skills to come break it down for me because I literally never thought I would get to this point where I have alopecia, which is an autoimmune disease when your head or when your hair falls, your out. Head falls off <laughs> I said when your hair falls out and it's just like shown physically on me. So now I really understand it. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. 
Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. I feel like I have a question for you that I've always kind of wondered, but I don't think we've ever really talked about it. When, wow. wow. First for the viewers. <laughs> first for you. Uh-huh. Wow, when wow, wow. everything was happening, like when we were going through the whole thingy thing with our family. The thingy majingy. The thingy majingy. What were you feeling? Because I almost wondered, not that at the time it was nice being, it was quite the opposite. It was never like fun or enjoyable seeing my name in the headline. And I think if I was younger, I would have been like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Not the context of what was being said, but me being talked about that much, I would have been like, wow, like this is amazing. But given what it was and it was all so negative and it was very heavily focused on mom and I, what were you kind of feeling like during that time? Like, did you almost feel like your experience was undermined or were you happy to be like, out of that public like eye and you didn't have to deal with I mean you had to deal with it but not as 
on a big of a scale, I would say like the hatred and uh, stuff like that. Um, there was times where like certain things were going on and I was like, I don't feel like what's happening to me is being necessarily heard or acknowledged on the scale that it should be just because there was something bigger going on at the time. Mm -hmm. But I think just the hardest part of this entire thing was watching how horrible or reading and seeing how horrible the media was to both you and mom and actually knowing you guys mm -hmm. and knowing mom has the biggest heart. And mm -hmm. can I tell my story? My teacher told me. Yeah, of course. Like this is just an example of who our mom is. And this story comes from literally last week. I was, I'm doing a play right now and the director and my teacher pulled me aside after class. And he's like, Hey, can I chat with you for a second? And I was like, of course, I thought we were going to be discussing the play and my work, but he was like, your mom's Lori Lachlan. And I was like, and sometimes that now, nowadays that scares me. Cause I'm like, Oh, Oh no. What, what, what opinion do you have? You know, like, mm -hmm. and he was like, I just wanted to let you know, like one of my first jobs as a young actor was on full house and that cast, all of them were so, so nice, but your mom specifically made sure that I felt welcomed, made me comfortable, like made sure that I was as comfortable in a new space that I can be. And he was telling me that now when he works and he does other shows and whatnot, when he's a series regular, a guest star, whatever, he told me that he took what mom taught him that day and emulates it on every single set he's on to make sure that whoever is there with him feels welcomed in that situation. And he said for a young actor, he was so scared to even just go and be on such a big sitcom at the time. Like mm -hmm. it was huge for him and he was only in a few scenes and mom made him feel so comfortable and at home and it's resonated with him for the last 30 years to the point where he pulled me aside and told me, and of course, like, I'm like crying as he's telling me something Aww. that's so sweet. And he was even saying like, he has other friends in the industry who have done guest spots and been on different shows that mom has been on and across the board, not, I don't think one person who's ever worked with mom can say something bad about her. Cause she's genuinely the nicest person alive. Yeah, I agree. I think that was hard for me too. like seeing, and this is what I was kind of talking about in the beginning where I'm like, I'm not trying to justify or excuse behavior or throw pity party or because I get so nervous and I know this is my podcast and I'm not in an interview and I can be open and vulnerable, especially with these guests that are listening. And I so appreciate that. But the guests that are listening. Oh, did I say the guests? I meant the uh, listeners that are listening. The audience. The audience. Um, I almost said the viewers after that, which also <laughs> wouldn't have made much sense. Um, but I do, I do very heavily relate to like those feelings that you were just kind of saying about mom. And um, I think for me, even though I also was getting dragged negatively, it like didn't nearly affect me as much as like seeing mom getting, first of all, having all this thrown on her. And I think that we can talk about this. I think I want to talk about this, that, um, she really took this whole thing and on her back and solely, you know, like there are a lot of people that were in this case and mm -hmm. a lot of other parents, and I do not know one other person's name. And I think that for being her kid and, you know, I'll drag myself and I'll roast myself and I won't forgive myself for ever probably. And I will always, you know, have that as my defense mechanism and partly a little bit of truth, but when you see your mom who's raised you and who's been like the nothing but most, a good mom, like the most incredible mother in the world. And also just like the kindest heart and like knowing what you know and knowing like 
how much we know about her and how well we know her. Obviously, we are both directly out of her womb, so we know her pretty damn well. Pretty damn well. But I think that was really hard for me. And um, it was frustrating and it, it caused a lot of like anger within me when I would read stuff about her. And I just think it's interesting that when I would read stuff about myself, I just didn't really, I mean, it affected me. I cared, but it didn't nearly affect me the same way that um, if I read it about our own mom, you know? I also think with the media specifically, if you just watch the pattern of tabloids in general, they always pick a woman and they take her down. I agree. I think women definitely are dragged in the media quite often. And I also think that... Besides just women being dragged in the media, I think that the media, in my opinion, and I could talk about this for ages, Mm. and I didn't know when I would end up talking about this publicly, but I feel like the perfect guest to talk about it with is my sister because A, she's heard a lot of it, B, she's kind of been through it with me and with herself, and I feel like we also just both have a lot of opinions on this, and I think it would be interesting to touch on. Um... But for me, I just feel like the media is extremely hypocritical. I think regardless of our situation, forget us. I just think in general, it's all about preaching this anti-bullying, non-bandwagon effect and how everybody should be so understanding of one another. And then you have people like, let's say Meghan Markle, right? Who's gotten dragged through the media for living, (laughs) basically. Taylor Swift for dating guys. Exactly. And just we could list a million examples, but I do feel like they preach this. Oh, my gosh. Like we are so on it. We are so not uh, for bullying. We are so against bullying. And and then you see the next thing, you know, it's like even after the Oprah interview that Meghan Markle did is what I had in mind. And I watched that and I had sympathy for her, you know, like I was like, that sounds like a very traumatic time to go through. And I then was reading articles throughout like the next week that would show up on my phone or whatever it was. And they were all still so terribly negative. And I was like, it's almost like no one just listened to anything she just said. Like those are, regardless if you relate, regardless if she's in a way, way bigger position of uh, privilege and success and uh, overwhelming wealth and all the things that so many people dream of, it's still like, for some reason, people then negate her feelings and act like, oh, well, she's lying and we're still going to drag her through the mud and screw this because it's one person versus a bunch of money and a bunch of clicks for these media outlets. And that gets me so fucking angry. And you also, know? I think this is my own theory, but in specifically our society today with social media, with the access to your DMs, for example, and whatnot, people think they know you now mm-hmm. or and with TikTok and like people, even like you're, you, you're, you, you're a YouTuber. You let people into your life to a certain degree. Reality TV shows let people into their lives to a certain degree. And so now the general consensus of the world is anyone who is in the public eye, you can pry into their personal life. And mm-hmm. there's something special about being able to keep your own life private and it doesn't need you don't owe it to anyone else to explain who you're dating what you're feeling what's going on in your life and everyone thinks they have this right to just be inside your head and know what's going on and who you're seeing and what's this and what's that right and and I think that's just natural human like instinct is to be nosy it's to be curious and to be nosy but I think social media has heightened that and almost made it a little bit like unacceptable to the point of like what we're prying for or the degree that like paparazzi and people 
like go to to get these answers to these questions that are floating around and I know for myself I've almost been in like quite a few car accidents Same. running remember from when I was coming to you what time were you coming to me I remember I was leaving I guess I can say Udine because we don't live there anymore when I was leaving Udine to meet you oh, in Malibu yeah. and oh. that girl I okay context for you guys um for March to December kind of COVID hit and then like the paparazzi were no longer outside of our house but from March to December. October November December ish it was they were there a lot and mm -hmm. there was every day at least three cars outside mm -hmm. of our house waiting for one of us mm -hmm. to leave and Olivia luckily had her own escape she wasn't really around at the house but anytime I would leave the house the second you pull out of that driveway there's a car at, literally at the ass of your car. I don't know how to explain it. Bumper mm -hmm. to bumper. They are right behind you. And God forbid you have to slam on your brakes. You're done. You yeah. are getting in a car accident. They are so close to you. They're riding your tail. And it's one, so invasive. Two, super dangerous. Super illegal and dangerous. Three, they're like, I, I remember one time there was a woman driving behind me and she had her camera out while she was driving. And I was like, yo, <sighs> you can't even text and drive. And you're recording me as you drive your car right now. This is so dangerous and they will go to all extremes they don't care who they will harm in the way it seems like yeah. they just want to get the photo yeah and those answers is kind of like how we got into this it's like I get it too especially like for me I feel like I made myself public on YouTube before all of this happened so then when it was happening I was like I kind of signed up for it like I did post videos talking about things that I very much <laughs> regret and I was very open about my life and I showed our homes growing not like actually like house doors or anything but you know it'd be Imagine. in the background of mom would never let you do that never but when like in the background of the videos you know yeah. what I mean and so I feel like I almost felt like I was more deserving of it because I was like well I did sign up to be a public figure but for you leaving the house like who's very much never tried to be I mean your Instagram is public but you're not posting like you post you know what you're posting on there and I would say it kind of accidentally became public it wasn't something you like tried to do and like yeah, establish no. a career from or be online so I know that was definitely like weird for you too because you were trying to live like a private life in your like late teens young 20s and you had a lot of people following you and looking at you and it's just like a really unnatural situation and um so I just yeah I kind of like feel for you a little bit but the paparazzi are definitely like and I'm not trying psychopaths to, I'm not trying to sound like oh paparazzi, oh, the paparazzi were so no cool. but like it, it was real that was actually what was happening yeah it's not to be like well, you I wish they weren't there yeah, same. But it definitely was like a really real time. But I just remember almost getting into like quite a few car accidents just because they're so reckless. And I even remember one time Bella and I were in a CVS. I think this is oh. just a story. I was I think I had like something I was either on my period or I had like a UTI or something that was like very girly and personal. And I was 19 and now I'll talk about it. 22. I don't care. I feel like years have passed. I'm very open. Like <laughs> it's we're human beings. It's just life. But I think I was getting some medication or a box of tampons or whatever it was. And we're in this drugstore and I kid you not, I look around, there's seven paparazzi inside, in, inside which by the CVS, way, illegal inside the drugstore, all filming me grabbing this like personal, like medicine care, whatever it was. And I remember Bella got really into like big sister protective mode and went up to you one. You started crying. I know. Cause I was so you embarrassed. You ran into the bathroom and you started crying. So I, I was like, mm -mm. 
And I walked up to the paparazzi and I was like, excuse me, sir, you actually cannot be inside here taking photos. This is illegal. You yeah. can't be, this is, it's not private property, but you can't be like, paparazzi are allowed to stand outside of a Rite Aid or a CVS and take photos, but they're not allowed to directly come inside. Right. And I walked up to him calmly at first. And I was at like, first, that's keywords. keyword here. And I was like, you can't be, you can't be taking these photos in here. Can you please leave? Mm-hmm. And he was like, what's it to you? And he's sassing me back. So, so as, Bella is a very as, sarcastic, sassy, very powerful woman, I would say, did not take. I was now out of the bathroom, kind of like hiding behind an aisle, watching Bella just I'm like, absolutely slaughter this man I'm, with words. I'm, like, I'm not giving up. I'm like, you cannot be here. This is illegal. Like, I will call the police. Do you want to get into this? I won't leave. I'll stay here and I'll wait for the police to come. Do you want to go? Because I'll wait. And like, I'm like fighting with this man. Me- meanwhile, the fight is slowly escalating. We're like now in the middle of a CVS screaming at each other. And I'm yelling at this guy being like, just get out, leave the CVS. And he's like, and then the security from the CVS comes over and he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, this man is taking photos of us. This is an invasion of our space. He is not allowed to be in the store. The security guard's like, she's right, sir. You have to leave. Meanwhile, they're like paparazzi everywhere. Record. It's probably online Please somewhere. don't pull up this video, <laughs> but it's somewhere online. I don't think you can hear the audio, but you can see my hands like flying all over the place. Yeah. And then this was the craziest part. We're getting in the elevator because the CVS, the parking lot was located like by an elevator and I'm oh this is the best part I'm like give me your give me your sim card and he's like I'm not giving I'm like give me your sim card and we're like arguing I'm like I want your sim card give me your sim card right now and he's like I'm not giving you my sim card I'm like you're giving me your sim card we're like I'm like screaming at him like give me the sim card and he won't give me the sim card and then no Sherlock I know I thought that if I pushed it enough maybe he would and then (laughs) or I was like and then I was like fine if you're not going to give it to me I want to watch you delete the photos oh yeah I want to watch you delete these photos this is illegal you cannot be by the way these photos all came out online um yeah there's no deleting happening they didn't he um he deleted them and then he had there's a thing on a camera where you can like get back the deleted photos Uh so this sneaky motherfucker he deleted them and then as Okay, keep in mind, I was yelling at this man. Finally, Olivia's like, okay, can we just go? Like, please, you don't need to engage in this anymore. I was like, fine. And we're like leaving. And as we're leaving, I see him go up to the guy who works the counter at CVS. And he's like, how much do I have to pay you? The elevator hasn't been called yet. And he's like, how much do I have to pay you to get the security footage of the camera above us? And I looked at the guy who was like working behind the desk and the guy was like, I'm so sorry, sir. Like, I don't want to lose my job. I'm not giving this to you. I don't know. That what you guy want. asked for security footage of me yelling at him. And the, wow. and the guy behind the desk was like, first off, these are two very young girls. What you just did was highly inappropriate. Second off, no, I'm not giving you the footage. You came into the store, took photos of them, hurt. Like, I was like borderline tears. I'm screaming at this man. Yeah. And the guy was like, I'm not. He's like, I'm not losing my job for you to get security some, footage, some money. Like, sorry. And the guy was like, how much do I have to pay you to get security footage? The guy was like, leave, actually leave the store. And then he had to leave the store because security yeah, had to like, escort security him out. security escorted a few of them out. And then I remember walking out of cvs and that same dude that you were in the fight with came up with his oh my god both his arms up like in our face like yelling like i'm gonna help you see i'm hoping i'm hoping i'm a nice guy i'm hoping and i was just like dude i swear to god right now i'm gonna like take this little bag that i have from cvs and hit you right upside your face like get out of my personal bubble like this was enough you already took photos of me buying something that at the time i felt very ashamed and embarrassed about I was crying. I'm now leaving the store. Now you're all up in my face with like your arms, like waving in front of me saying like, you're a good guy and you're trying to help me. Like it was so bizarre. But anyway, I guess that's just a a story that I, a weird tangent, but a story of just like, I think 
And that's where I was kind of bring it back to the idea that the media, like people want to see and expect so much from you, but like something as simple as a UTI, like y'all don't need to know about that. Like, right. Let as the I ni- talk about it on my podcast, but like, let the 19 year old deal with it in her the privacy of being a 19 year old, you yeah. know, like that's, it's just so wrong. And I think also with the way back then when like people were getting paparazzi and stuff, there was a different culture around it. Even in the early nineties, it was a different culture because there wasn't social media. There weren't reality TV stars really necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was like a very different thing where it's like you saw people when they were going to their movie premieres or their concerts or like sometimes at restaurants, but it wasn't so much in your face of like daily life, daily life. And then over time and with, I think it was kind of the creation of reality TV, in my opinion, that people started to think any celebrity across the board owes you something, yeah. but it's, they're not reality TV stars. They're actors, they're singers. They're, they'll drop an album and like release their and to Put be fair, also not all reality TV stars want that attention either. That's why like, although they're, they're famous for showing their life, that doesn't mean they need to show every single part of their life. That's why it's their show and they get to curate what goes out publicly, you know? So it's just a very big, I feel like speaking from experience, it's a super traumatic, especially at a young age and B it's just, it's just wrong. It feels wrong. And that's that period moving on from the paparazzi. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts i'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for god to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet you need god to show you your next step Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. 
Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do you think everything that's happened affected our relationship? Bella also, and let me just preface, Bella and I have also like grown up super, super close. Like yeah. we're, as I said in the beginning, we're only a year apart. Like we've always been best Our friends. Our mom says built-in besties. Our mom does call <laughs> us built-in best friends. Um, but we've always been like super, super close. super close. But I do think for me, it was like us getting closer was I could confide in you because we were going through the exact same thing. And I feel like that's something that, you know, I had amazing friends and an amazing support system that like were there for me, but I feel like, um, you were the only person that like genuinely understood what, and just how scary it all felt at the time, like being so like, kind of like, we really like when all this happened, like we really didn't know what was going on or what was going to happen. And we were both out of town and we both had to come home obviously, and like see what was going on. And so I think there were just like a lot of unknowns that caused a lot of fear and anxiety for me. And that was just really the start of it. But yeah, that's, I think like for me, we got really, really close because we could really relate to each other. And then of course you just always being like my best friend and big sister, but I also feel like, do you feel like we got closer during that time? 100%. I think that was like the catalyst for how close we are now Mm -hmm. because in high school, We were obviously really close, but on Fridays and Saturdays, like you'd go do your thing with your girls. I'd be with my girls. Like we'd be with the people in our grade Mm -hmm. and we never really, there were some nights we crossed over and that was always really, really fun, but there wasn't a lot of crossover in high school. And then I think when all of this went down, there was like a three month time period where we couldn't leave the house. We just had to stay inside Mm because it was a mess if we left and it was insane And so I think that is one thing that brought us closer together. And then it kind of our 
in a way our two circles meshed into one because now yeah we go out together we get dinners together with all of our friends and there's not a divide Mm -hmm. as much as there kind of once was which was like the high school just like I think also that had to do with us both being out of school now it's Mm -hmm. like there weren't grades but when obviously we were in high school and even in college in the beginning like I had my grade you had your grade and then obviously when we were both done with that we shared a lot of the same friends that had graduated that weren't in school anymore. And we all just kind of became like a big mesh together group, like childhood friends yeah. and just really reunited again. Um, want to talk about a little bit, we don't have to get like too into it if you don't want to, but I do think let's I saw, chat. let's chat. I saw a lot of questions about boys and breakups and how to deal with that and how to deal with heartbreak. And I think you can give them like a really good perspective on heartbreak especially it just ties into everything we're also talking about with the situation because I'll give them like a little backstory if that's fine Mm -hmm. Bella basically was dating this boy for a year basically a year or so and um yeah you guys were very much like happy and I thought like very much in love and it was I thought the same thing it was all very positive cute whatever um and then when this all came out in the media I mean we found out with the world and the world about what was going on and uh I think that well I know that (laughs) just a few days after it all came out he called you and Mm -hmm. broke up with you yeah um what was like going through your mind back then I mean that was it was hard because on top of being heartbroken I was dealing with whatever it was that was Mm -hmm. going on in our life and that was and it was so early on at that point like it was we found out, world found out, March 12th. I got dumped March 16th, yeah. four days later. So at that point, I didn't, I, it hadn't even been a week yet. Like I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. It was, we were literally taking life minute by minute right. those days. And we didn't know what the future had in store. And I, I remember I was like beating myself up about it at one point because like, I remember when it first all happened, I was like talking to him. And then I was like, oh, did I like, Cause you know, when you go through a breakup at first, it's like you blame yourself for the entire mm-hmm. breakup yeah, when you get dumped. So I was like, oh, did I put too much on him? Like, did I scare him from like all this? And then I look back on it and no, I was doing what you do when you have a boyfriend and you talk to them when you're scared and sad and mm-hmm. you don't know what's going on. And it was really hard because it was so f- the, what had happened was so fresh. Then the breakup was so fresh. And then I'm dealing with both things at once and this was like my first real heartbreak so like yeah it was like like your first first real boyfriend yeah Yeah. and I'm sure if you've ever been like your first real heart like I remember you cried yourself to sleep for months on end yeah and there was nothing else on top of it so it was really hard to go through a breakup and then also have something even bigger and honestly more important on top of it because Mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was like cry and mourn my relationship and I couldn't I mean I finished all of Game of Thrones in a month mm-hmm. I the break of diet like I literally couldn't eat which was yeah. the, and I remember Bella dropped like 20 pounds in a week I kid you not I literally got so skinny and it was, it was so scary it was terrifying because and it wasn't I wasn't by choice I like I remember our friend Olivia who we already kind of talked about earlier she would come over every single night with just plain grilled chicken because she was like I don't know what's wrong with you and she'd be like can you just eat the chicken and I'd be like I can't and like each night I would have like one bite of chicken. And then the next night she'd be like, okay, can we have two bites of chicken? Mm-hmm. And like, she was literally just trying to feed me cause I couldn't eat, but it was hard. But the thing, the cheesiest thing that I will say mm-hmm. is the only thing that 
helps you through or any like not helps you through but the only thing that really is heals you the is healer time. is time i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> and and like with in my situation it was i kid you not because he was like can we facetime today and i when i got the text I, I was like okay i know it's coming i'm not an idiot like we he wasn't speaking to me for like two days before and then like i even i don't know if i should be getting into this or not but i even remember i sent a text being like hey if like you're not feeling good about this right now like can you just let me know because I'm like really stressed out and like there's a lot of unknowns in my life and like I can't, this is adding so much more stress onto yeah. me right now and I just I'm giving you a clean out if you want out like take it please mm-hmm. and he like responds like no calls me immediately I love you I would never blah blah, mm-hmm. blah 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 cut to two days later can we talk and I was like <laughs> all right and he's like can we FaceTime and I was like no you can call me I'm not you, I don't want to do this over FaceTime like I'm yeah, I heard, be like sad I'm, and- I'm already gonna be a mess and he called me and he was like I don't know if I can quote him, but like, he's like, you don't understand how hard this is for me. And I was like, on the phone, and I was like, the how voice. hard this is for you. Yeah. And like, but it was like a five minute phone call and I was like, fine, whatever. And I'm a, I'm a kind of a freak and also like a believer in, I'm not, it takes a lot to get a second chance for me. And in that situation, I remember the last thing I said to him on the phone was I was like, if this is your decision, this is your decision. Like you will never hear from me again. And I've stuck to it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you will never hear from me again. And that was it. And it ended. And there was something about it that was so now looking back on it, I'm so grateful for because I learned that at least for me in a situation that closure is somewhat overrated and you don't actually need closure in like when you're broken up, you're broken up. Closure is an excuse to see them again or talk to them again or whatever and whatnot. Yeah, I think it's so dependent on the person and their like history and their relationship too, obviously, because like for a divorce or something. No, with, like, that's very, but that's and, different. Like, that, but I'm saying like the baseline of like the closure. Talk. You're just saying from personal experience, like you never had to have that closure talk, and so you happily I moved on, yeah, and you're okay, and, and you've I, had boyfriends since, and you've liked new boys, and and we promise if anybody can relate to this obviously not the exact same situation but just like heartbreak in general and that first love and you just feeling like oh my gosh my life is so over and oh the part where you like wake up and you're dreaming about them and that morning you wake up oh, and the you're like are the worst. hyperventilating out of your sleep out of your dream you're like is this real is this happening like that's all such a real like thing from a heartbreak but I think what Bella's saying is like in those times too I think a lot of us sometimes feel like okay, well, we still need to have that last conversation mm-hmm. to explain why we broke up and how we're going to move forward and blah, 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 blah. And like how we're going to deal with this and whatnot. And like, I, I remember I like avoided a friend group for two years. I would not get near them. I was terrified. I was like, I'm not, I ain't doing this. Like would cross paths, would not speak, would like see each other across the room, would not talk like all these like weird things. And it's so bizarre because you're so close with someone for so long. And then I think that's like like the hardest thing about heartbreak in general is like you don't just like miss somebody and like miss like the love aspect. It's like they really are also like your best friend at the same time and they know so much about you. So it kind of feels like a death because it's not one of those. I mean, in certain situations, you can become friends down the line, but like it's not one of those situations where it's like, okay, now we can just go back to being best friends how it started. Like, yeah, it never really is the same. And I saw a lot of people like asking to like about uh like toxic relationships and how to get out of them or like what to do if a boy doesn't like you back and I think my like umbrella answer to all of those would just be like know your worth and know like if a guy is playing mind games with you and 
you're really hopeful he's going to change his mind. Like Been the, there, John. <laughs> but like, if you're really hopeful about somebody like changing their entire personality for you or like you being this like once in a lifetime, sometimes it is true, but like it really is rare. And I think for me, if I, if I had a younger sister, I would say to them, which I feel like a lot of my audience, younger or older, I feel like we're like siblings. And like, I can tell you, like, I would say you got to move forward and move on. And if if they come back around and they're really fighting for you, like, I think that's a different story, but like the games, the mind games, the, the everything in between that you can think of that just like your classic F boy kind of like starter pack does like, it's just not going to change. Yeah. They have I mean, to grow up a lot. The only way someone is going to change is if them, they want to change themselves. For themselves. Yeah. It's you will never be able to change someone. And then I think on top of the knowing your worth part, I remember reading some quotes somewhere where it's essentially covered this idea that before you get into a relationship or before you pretty much a relationship or anything, you have to be okay with yourself Mm -hmm. because a boy coming into your life isn't going to make you happier. It's not going to fix your, who you are inside. You need to be able to be, or it could temporarily, but when they leave, it's still that empty feeling or if you leave them. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, that's true. But I think there's just something so important about becoming your own best friend. Like yeah. you are stuck with you until you die. Like yeah. there's, and you, you have your family and whatever, but truthfully you are with you. So you, you've got to love you. You've got to. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, if you're confident enough to go have a meal alone, you are capable of kind of doing anything. Yeah. Cause that's so baller to yeah. be able to just go sit and eat and do your work listen to music, listen to a podcast and not worry want. about like people and like not care what other people think. It's like you're hanging out with yourself for the day. You don't yeah. need to have someone else around. Like you're stuck with you. Yeah. So learn to love yourself. Yeah. It's so true. It's so, so true. You have to learn to love yourself. I feel like that's kind of how you got through like your heartbreak too. It's like you really just became very independent and like did everything kind of alone. And by, besides I like, came with your friends on like yeah. a normal basis, but like you really did have to like reteach yourself how to like not be dependent on somebody or to like text somebody first thing in the morning or check in on somebody. And I think that really like healed you way faster than I thought you were going to heal, to be honest. (laughs) I think also this is just a tip and trick for you lads and lassies out there. Mm -hmm. When you go through a heartbreak, I remember telling you this somewhat recently, but I was like, find, this is the craziest thing ever. Find a TV show, find like a trilogy, find like a movie series, find an actor you love, just watch all their shit. I kid you not. There's something so special about when you get locked into something that you really want to watch that you really like, like mine, for example, is Game of Thrones. You don't think about what's going on in the moment because you're so focused on this story that's happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it, in a way, helps time pass. And of course, like you have jobs and all of that stuff. But when you're sitting alone and you're in your own thoughts and you're freaking out, as everyone does when they're going through a breakup, if you're able to put your attention onto something else and take it away from yourself in that situation, it helps speed up the time and it helps you one learn to love yourself, teaches you like new things about yourself in a way. And also yeah. it, it, it's a really good distraction because and you're I not also, focused on what's going on in your actual situation. Yeah. And I think like the last thing I'll say before we wrap up this episode is like, for the last, my last podcast episode with Cherie, that possibilitarian life coach, I think this is just really fitting for what we're talking about. She very much has this mindset of like, and this could go for heartbreak, losing a friendship, losing somebody you love, 
uh, COVID being really tough, like whatever it is, just any sort of negative that's kind of taking over your mind and in your life. And it's really, really hard for you to kind of see the positive. She gave me just like a really great perspective on trying to focus on like shifting your mindset and shifting the equation. So it would be like, okay, COVID's really bad and I lost my job and this is really, really terrible and I don't know what to do. And I know this is way easier said than done, especially given a terrible time where somebody probably actually, you know, has nothing and really lost their job and really feels frantic. But um, I think that trying to change that perspective and being like, I know I lost this right now. You know what? I feel like I can't even speak on the COVID job thing because I haven't been there and I don't know. And I just don't know how that feels like, but I'll say with heartbreak this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I'm losing this person forever. Like, how could this be happening? If you change that mindset into being like, I'm losing this person for sure. Yes, I'm allowed to feel sad. Yes, I'm acknowledging my feelings. I'm being patient with myself. But like, why did I lose them? Oh, maybe something else could be better for me that's out there. Maybe something is like brewing that's like more possible and like a better future for myself, whether that's a person, whether you're getting a new job because you let go of this guy or girl in your life that was maybe distracting you from focusing on yourself and focusing on your work. Or I think for me, what she really just taught me in that last episode, and she phrases it way better. So I highly encourage you listen. It's just you switch that equation in your head so you don't think of it as like such a negative. And I did this yesterday. I was in the car and I was really, really frustrated about something. And I felt like this anger and like this, like sadness and stress. And I kind of just sat there and I was like, but if I had been, I, I, the background to this is I forgot I had something that I needed to do and it was very important and I totally missed it. And now I had to drive there like three hours later and I was just very tired. I had a 5am day yesterday. I was just like wiped and I was sitting there angry driving my car and I'm like, okay, but what if I kind of just changed my perspective? And I was like, what if I went at the right time and I got in a car crash and something bad happened to me? Like, maybe this is a sign that I'm supposed to be doing it later. Like I was really beating myself up for being late. Like all this stuff. So I think it's just changing and shifting your mindset and that can go for anything. That was such a big ramble. I'm wrapping it up there. Um, we've been talking for a while, but they're going to have to cut a lot. Oh, the dog looked over here because we meowing. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And I feel like I also want to say one last thing and it's just, Bella will have a different perspective, but I always feel like I'm thinking about stuff like this. And it's just that um, everything we've talked about, I just, or maybe you won't have a different perspective, but I feel like everything we talked about, please take it just like knowing that this was like our personal experience. And I'm not saying that like we're, I've said this a million times, but I get so nervous, but like, I just feel like I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. We're now we're sitting here two very blessed humans, like complaining about something. Cause that's just not what I feel like I'm trying to do. I just want to be open and share like the reality of what did happen the last few years and how it did like affect our mental health and the situations we had gone through that were really challenging for us. But that's not to take away from somebody else's situation that's 10 times harder or to discredit somebody's situation that's 10 times easier. You know what I mean? It's just like, as Bella said, her kind of uh, movie or TV show is going to be about it's just relative to situations. And I just want people to take it with a grain of salt because obviously we know how fortunate we are. We are so lucky. We are so blessed. And I think something we also learned from the situation on a more positive note, since we were a little bit more like open and vulnerable, we didn't really get into like the highlights of what we've learned. And I just think for me personally, it's like, I will never be the same human after this situation. I will always, always, always fight to give back, whether it's tutoring children or, you know, I had a student I was working with for a really long time that 
that I was tutoring that I actually don't know if I've ever talked about this, but, you know, helping with her tuition, sponsorship money, trying to send people to school, just learning from a mistake that, you know, wasn't really in our control, but something that now we have to grow from. And I don't want people to get it twisted. So period. And also, can I say one thing? Yeah. You can cut this if you don't like it. But the show is called Conversations with Olivia Jade. And this is a conversation with Olivia with Jade. Olivia Jade. And sometimes like conversations are, are a real thing. We're not going to we can't talk about things that we don't know about. That would be insane. Yeah. You know, it's like and it's not the conversation isn't to get anything out of it. It's just a conversation. And it's it's like essentially you guys are if you were to be sitting in the room with us chatting on a day to day, we're not we don't talk about stuff and we're like, oh man, pity me here. I'm a victim here. I'm this, that. Like we just talk like it's, that's life. You don't talk. Like, I don't know how to say this in like a proper way, but you don't have a conversation with someone to try and affect their emotions and change them and do all this stuff. You just talk to them. Right. And it's not to, oh, you're saying like when I say stuff like, wait, don't take it this way. You're yeah, saying but like, it's, it's a conversation. It's People can take it however, however they, they want to take it, right. but I see. it's not, it's I, not my responsibility like, to like worry if I'm hurting everybody's feelings or saying the right or wrong thing. I'm just talking and you can listen or you don't have to, I think is what she's kind of trying to yeah, and advise me on. Yeah. And it's also, I don't know. I don't know how to say this because I also, I don't want to offend anyone and I don't want it to, they're going to cut it. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't want to offend anyone, but I think that the, the, idea of a conversation and being able to have a podcast and be open and vulnerable is to be able to talk about what actually has gone on in your life and not having to justify every single thing that you've said, because you're talking about something that's coming from a personal experience right. rather than, I just, I don't know. Think about it. When you're having a conversation with someone, you're not asking them for pity the entire time you're talking to them. You're just talking to them. Well, I'm you're not asking these people for pity, but that's what I'm saying. But you, you phrase everything with, I'm not asking you for pity, blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is you don't, no, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying I don't want people to get it twisted. Like, I know, but that's what I'm saying. People stop getting it twisted. You know, like it's a conversation. So this is something Bella has an opinion on. I don't know. I think that we're all humans. Like we're allowed to chat. We're allowed to have our own opinions. We're not. It'd be crazy if we all thought the exact same way and believed the exact same thing and did the exact same whatever. Yeah. I don't know. No, I get what you're saying. That's all. I just think that everything that is said, take it with a grain of salt. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. If you don't, you don't. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be any deeper or bigger than that. Yeah. And sometimes people try and twist things and make them bigger and deeper than what they actually are when it's truthfully just a conversation with Olivia Jade. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bells, sweet sestra, sister, a fucking big sis, doggy dog. Thank you. Snoop dog. Snoop dog. Thank you so much for coming on and being on this episode. I would never have felt comfortable to talk about anything this openly with literally any other guest. So I love you. And I know the listeners will also greatly appreciate it because I don't think I've ever been this open in my entire life. So, <laughs> and I love you. I love you too. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast with my big sister, Bella. Do you want like an Instagram plug or you don't care? Like maybe follow her on Instagram at Bella. So in like a year or two, when the show is made, you guys finally know where to find <laughs> it. Um, but other than that, thank you guys. And I will chat with you next week. Bye bye. 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 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.